Our game show today for a $100 prize is How Do I Get There? I'm going to give you the name of a city in Texas. And you have to tell us how to get there. Now, just to add this to make it a little bit more fun for you, I'm going to show you where the city is. Then I'm going to ask Justin for a hundred bucks on his birthday. Would that be a good birthday present? hundred smacks for his birthday. I'm going to ask him, how do you get there? And he's got to be able to tell us how to get there. So, all right, here it is up on the screen. We are looking for Stinnett, Texas. Everybody see it? Everybody, everybody see Stinnett, Texas? Y'all got it, right? Now I've got this covered up so he can't see it. Alright, now, Justin, what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to make it easy on you at first. I'm going to ask you which direction do you need to go from Palestine, general direction do you need to go, north, south, east, or west, to make it to Stinnett, Texas? Take a stab. West. West. Is he right? General direction... Do y'all know where Palestine is? <laughs> west is... See El Paso? That's west. Is that the general direction he needs to go? Okay, we're going to help you out. General direction. Which one is more than west? Okay, they helped you out. North. we got to go north. Now, here's the deal. It takes only two roads. Two roads from Palestine to make it to Stinnett, Texas. And, and what, I, what I want him to do is all he has to do is tell me the, the numbers, their highway numbers. One of those roads comes through Palestine, Texas. It is so easy. Just take a stab. If it goes north and they already told you west, I don't know where they got that, but general direction, north and west, there's one highway that starts from here that you got to take. Which one do you think it would be? 287. 287, all right! He is halfway there, but we're not giving him 50 bucks. No, no, no. This is all or nothing. Now, for the hundred smackaroos, there is one other road that you have to take to get to Stinnett, Texas, off of 287. You will drive 287 about eight hours before you get to this road. And it has a number, and it's just so simple. What is that number? I'm thinking. Hold on. I've got... I've got a... I've got it in my mind. Let's see if you're clairvoyant. Take a step. hundred bucks? I'm thinking. The pressure, man. The lights. The light. <laughs> it is hot up here. Yes, it is hot. It's you my swear. birthday, man. It's my birthday. Uh, I'm not making you sing. Though. Can I have a hint? Is it like a major highway? For a hundred bucks, you want a hint? Yeah, why not? This is my hundred dollars. <laughs> I ain't giving you a hint. Oh, uh, I'd say 20. Interstate 20. Interstate 20. Oh. Oh, everybody say, oh. Dude, you actually were pretty close. I figure it's up by Borger, right? It's up by Borger. That's how I know where it is. That's good thinking. That's good thinking. There is a little road, and you can't even see it on this one. See where Stinnett is? Way up there in the panhandle of Texas. And what's funny is, he said 20, but then he said Interstate 20, but Interstate 20 goes to El Paso. So, the, the actual highway is 207. So close. Everybody go, aww. Now give him a hand. Give him a hand as he, as he leaves. Now, how, um, how rigged was that game? I didn't want to give away a hundred bucks. That, that, I mowed a lot of lawns for that hundred bucks. Now, um, 
It's kind of crazy for somebody to just pick a name, you know, a city name out of a hat and say, tell me how to get there. So if you were going to get to Stinnett, Texas, what would be the way that you would need to go? You've got a couple of options to figure out how to get to Stinnett, Texas. Give me an option. MapQuest. That's a good one. In fact, that's what we did to get this. We Well, this is off another site, but we, you just type in Stinnett, Texas. That's so cool on the Internet now, and it will show you where Stinnett, Texas is. But you still did, wouldn't know the name of that road. There's actually a little road. You've got to go to Claude, Texas. How many of you have been through Claude, Texas? Claude is barely big enough to have a 7-Eleven. They got one. Actually, it's Allsup's. Not even 7 They're not big enough to have a 7-Eleven. It's an Allsup's. Just past the Allsup's, you hit Highway 207. And by the way, you can see about 17 miles right there. You come up. The Panhandle's flat. You come up on this ridge to go over this, this um, uh, railroad tracks. And you can see a blinking light. That's about 16 or 17 miles away. Uh, just, just for your information. You know, it's, it's ugly up there, but you can see a long ways. Now, you go Highway 207, you'll go all the way through Panhandle, you go through Borger, Texas, you'll get to Stinnett! You got a plan to get to Stinnett. Somebody told me one time they went through Borger on their way skiing, I said, not unless you messed up. Because Borger's out of the way. You may see a sign, and that would be good if you saw the sign, because that means you're on the correct road. But if you go through Borger itself when you go ski it, you're lost. Now, you have to make a plan to get to Stinnett, Texas. And that's what I want to talk about today. You can't just start out on any old road and get to Stinnett, right? Neither can you get where you want to go in your life just by starting out on any old road. And you cannot get there just by doing it according to your feelings. We've been talking about what is the wise thing to do. And we've been talking about people mess up their lives because they don't do the wise thing. And we get into trouble. And, and very few of us say, my goal in life is to get into trouble. We don't plan to get in trouble, but we don't plan not to. And today we're going to talk about how to plan not to get into trouble sexually. We're going to have a sex talk. Everybody say, yes. See, y'all ought to know me by now. We're going to talk about sex. We can say that word in church. I think it hasn't been said in church often enough, and I think that's why a lot of people are in trouble, because they don't know what God's Word says about sex. So just to kind of relieve the tension, everybody say that word. I'm going to say sex, and then you say sex. Sex. Oh, come on. Sex. All right, you can go out and you say, we had a sex talk in church today. Now, most people would love to have a, a wonderful marriage, Right? I mean, most people, in their minds, they think, I would love to have a wonderful marriage. Most people, in their minds, they think, I would love to have a wonderful sex life, because those two don't necessarily go together. And, and most people would say, oh, I would love for my marriage to be wonderful. I'd love for it to be filled with, with sexual fulfillment, and I'd love for it to be filled with excitement and romance. And then we just hope we're going to get there. That makes as much sense as trying to get to Stinnett, Texas, by just picking a road and going. So we're going to plan how to do this. And most people, when they get in their, their lives messed up, they have some moral decisions. And every one of us has moral decisions that we regret, and some of them we regret more than others. And a lot of times we'll be in the midst of a moral chaos in our lives, and, and just stuff is coming down, and we'll say, how did I get into this mess? But on your listening guide, the correct question should not be, how did I get into this mess? The correct question should be, how did I get myself into this mess? At some point, we've got to grow up and quit blaming everybody else for my mess-ups. That's a sign of maturity when you can say, I've messed up, it is me, not anybody else that got me into trouble. And, and here's what I want you to think about. 
Now, some of you have more moral mistakes to make to think about than others, but I want you just to latch on one big colossal mistake you made, the biggest regret of your life, and then we're going to apply that this this whole wisdom thing to that question today or that that mess up. And here's the here's what we're going to look at. Every poor moral decision is preceded by a series of unwise choices. Every poor moral decision is preceded by a series of unwise choices. When we finally get um, where we've ended up in life and, and we realize it's not where we wanted to be, we begin to see that we have chosen our way into disaster. And the kicker is that most of these choices that led us to disaster were not wrong choices. They were not illegal choices. They were not even immoral choices. They just weren't wise choices. And when we make a series of unwise choices, we end up where we don't want to be. If you've ever been lost, <laughs> any of you ever been lost when you're driving somewhere? Been lost in the dark? That's even more fun to be lost in the dark. Um, a lot of people are lost morally and they don't even realize it. And here's the thing. This is, this is what's kind of crazy. We see so easily that others are making mistakes morally. Whether, you know, whether that's stealing something or whether that's taking drugs or whether that's, that's, uh, having sex outside of marriage, we see it so easily in others. But we don't see it in ourselves. And today we're gonna to try to figure out how to see it in ourselves. Humans have been messing up their lives since the beginning. And, uh, and when humans mess up their lives, we end up where we don't want to be. And look what the Bible has to say about this in Ecclesiastes. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote these words. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. All right, now what Satan tries to do, especially if you've messed up morally, Satan tries to tell you you're the only one. And he tries to isolate you and make you think that you're this horrible person and God can't possibly forgive you. And he just whispers all this trash in your mind. Nothing could be further from the truth. And see, what we need to do is not hide that. We need to bring it into a loving community, whether that's at Celebrate Recovery in a small group or, or in, in the church somewhere. We need to be able to talk about these things and let you know there is hope for you because not only are you not the only one, everybody else has something that they just totally regret in their past that if they could go back and change it, they would. Everyone is like that. And, and so many times in recovery, as we'd be, be sitting around, I was a small group leader for a year, we'd be sitting around and people would start sharing some of their greatest regrets. And then you'd notice that the next guy would say, I, I've been through that. And their eyes kind of get wide and they say, I didn't think anybody else knew how I was feeling. And, and then before you get around the room, everybody knew how you were feeling. And, and not that that's, that's a wonderful thing, but it is a comfort to know that I'm not the only one who's walked down this path before. Now, I want to consider a scenario, and this scenario is nothing new. And I sat around at my computer the other day, and, and uh, as I go through this, I'm going to kind of share, because I read this to Janie, and she put her input, and you'll love some of Janie's input on this as well. Let's consider a scenario. You go on a cruise. Now, I, we love cruising. That's one of our favorite things to do. We've been on four cruises. Been to Alaska. We've been to... Um, uh, the Eastern Caribbean, we've been to the Western Caribbean twice. And we love cruises. So you go on a cruise, and, and let's just say that you are married. 
just for, for argument's sake, we got a lot of single people here, but let's just say you're with your spouse. And this can go either way, male or female. And in a minute, just simply because I'm male, I'm going to talk about it from the, from the male perspective. But let's say you go on this cruise, and, and one of the reasons you go on the cruise is because you need to reconnect as a couple. You leave the children at home, and I would always recommend leaving the children at home when you go on a cruise. It is so much fun. And I love, and by the way, my daughter is in here now, and I really feel old because Rachel is now in the youth group. And everybody say, hi, Rachel. She's now in the youth group, and, and I told you last week, where did the time go and all that stuff. Okay, so you're on the cruise, and, and you are going to reconnect with your wife. Well, one day, your wife is kind of tired because you do, you do not act like a normal adult and sleep, you know, your normal sleep patterns. You stay up late, and you go to the midnight buffet, and you go dancing. Janie and I love to go dancing, so you do all this stuff. So the next day... You have eaten way too much and you're kind of, you're, you're obviously not like me because I'm not going to go work out. But some of you are thinking, I need to go work out and your, your spouse decides to take a nap. So you go into the gym and there's always a gym on, on the, the ships and there's always people that are just unbelievably fit on ships and I don't understand why you'd even go on a cruise if you're fit. But anyway, so they're there and you go in and you start working out. And you notice someone of the opposite sex who is quite honestly good looking. And you do your workout and you don't think much of it. But as you're about to leave, now we'll go from the male perspective, but it could be from the female perspective. She says to you, man, you look good. You're in exceptional shape. Now, how does that make you feel? Any one of you. Somebody tell me. Somebody notices your body and they go, you look good. And they're the opposite sex, and they look good. How does that make you feel? <clears throat> you strut. Uh, why, thank you. I work out. <laughs> and you feel good. Now, at this point, has anything immoral happened? No. Nothing wrong with this whole scenario. And so you walk back to your room a little bit lighter, and you feel good. And the next day, your wife wants to go to pottery class, and you hate pottery class. And you're thinking, I ate too much last night, and I think I'll go to the gym. Is there anything wrong with you going to the gym? They got quiet. It's a trick question. Let me just ask you this. Is it wise for you to go to the gym? No, because secretly in your heart, because we're, the heart is deceptive and, and very wicked. Our hearts will deceive us. Deep in your heart, you're hoping that that person is there again. And when you get there, she immediately looks up and smiles at you, and your heart skips a beat. And she's working out on the exercise bike, and guess what? There's a seat open next to her. And you start thinking, Yesterday I worked chest and back, so today I need to work lower body and cardio. And you go over and you sit down by her. And you strike up just this pleasant conversation. No harm done, no foul. And then in the course of the conversation, you find out that she's recently divorced and she took this trip to try to get away from all of this stuff and get her mind cleared. And, and somewhere in the conversation, she says, is there anything wrong with me focusing on me for a change? And, and you go... Uh, well, no, there's nothing wrong with you focusing on you. Have at it. Have a great time. And before you know it, 
an hour, hour and a half has gone by and you just can't believe how witty this woman is. And she gets your jokes and you start feeling good in her presence. She makes you feel good and you begin to think, my wife hasn't made me feel good in years. Why can't I talk to my wife like this? Oh, unbelievable. Then you realize you've been there too long and you get up to leave. I, I got to go. And as you are about to go out the door, she says, see you here tomorrow. And there's this little twinge of guilt in your heart. And, and you say, yep, I'll be here. Next day, you come up with some lame excuse to go to the gym. She's there. Only today, she says, would you, would you go get a quick bite to eat with me? And you gotta understand, on the cruise ship, there's food 24 hours a day, and there's this real informal place up on the back deck where you can have this great view of, you know, the motors going through this beautiful Caribbean water, and it's just great. And you go up, and you have a quick bite to eat, and you look at your watch, and you go, oh no. Cause you're supposed to meet your wife at the pool, and so you go to the pool, and, and your wife says, what has taken you so long? And at this point, nothing wrong has happened. Nothing's gone on. But you don't tell her. Now, nothing's wrong, but you don't feel the need to tell her. Why? Because you know if you tell her, in her mind, she's not nearly as concerned as what's happened up to this point. She's concerned as to where it's going because a wise person and... And jealous spouses know that relationships do not stay the same. They are going one direction or they go in the other. And she knows that, that where this is headed is to the bedroom. And so red flags are waving and alarms are going off and she's going, No way, buddy! So you just don't tell her. Next day, you have another conversation. You go to lunch. And as you're getting up to leave, she grabs your hand and pulls it close to her chest. She says, thank you for listening to me. I've never met a man like you. And she stands up and gives you a quick peck on the cheek. And you're thinking, oh boy, I'm in, I'm in deep stuff here. Go back to your room. Next day, your wife wants to go shopping in Cozumel. You hate shopping, your wife knows it. She gives you an out. Do you want to do something else with your time? I think I'll just stay on the ship. I'll check my email. I'll read by the pool. Don't worry about me. I'll have a great time. So your wife leaves. Shopping in Cozumel takes a while. I've done that one. And it was at this point that my wife said, You go shopping with your spouse. I'm like, yes, ma'am. It's a made-up story. She said, don't you stay on the ship without your spouse. Yes, ma'am. But you stay. And somewhere in the whole conversation, she says, there, there's some guys that kind of creep me out around my stateroom. Would you walk me down to my stateroom? I, I just, I want to get a bite to eat, but I want to freshen up first. And then would you go eat with me? You would just, it would make me feel so much better if you were to walk with me to the stateroom. And you get to this stateroom. She opens the door and says to you, do you want to come in? Anybody here see where this is headed? Anybody unclear on where this is going? Because once you have connected emotionally, it's headed to the bed. 
where the mind goes, the body is going to follow. And if you were watching this on TV or if you're watching a movie and this scenario came up, is there any doubt what is about to happen? He's already made a series of unwise, not immoral, not illegal choices. He's made a series of choices that leads him up to the edge. Is anybody doubt what's going to happen when he steps across that threshold and closes the door? Anybody unclear on that? Adultery is about to happen. Let's not call it a night of passion. Let's not call it an affair. The Bible calls it adultery. It is sexual sin. He is about to step across the ledge and ruin his family and ruin his marriage all in the heat of passion. But he let, he chose himself to the brink of disaster. Everybody clear on that? Did he ever stop and ask what is the wise thing to do? No, because he was in the habit of saying, there's nothing wrong with. What's wrong with going to the gym? What's wrong with having lunch with somebody here? What's wrong with hanging out with scantily clad women? Because after all, I'm on a cruise ship and everybody's scantily clad 24 hours a day, except on formal nights. Formal nights, you get dressed up, take your pictures and, and, and go eat. And it's, it's wonderful and you pretend. Actually, I hate it. But my wife loves getting dressed up, so... The, <laughs> I think subconsciously somewhere, I re, two times on two different ships, I forgot to take what's called um, uh, casual, no, no, business casual, business casual. And so, you know, you see all these pictures of me, Janie's in her snappy little outfits, not formal, I took formal stuff, but this one time I forgot business casuals, I'm always in t-shirts, one time I forgot even blue jeans for, for business casual. so I'm always in shorts and t-shirt and a hat, that was my business, that's the joke at my house, is that's Doug's business casual. But I think that's, that was subconscious, you know, my mind just did that, I forgot, anyway. Formal nights, everybody's clothed, but, but the rest of the time they're half naked, where can I go? So I'll go to the gym and I'll work out. Series of unwise choices led them to the brink of disaster. Actually, over the brink. And the wife would have seen it. Now, if you were to ask this guy, did you plan to get involved in sexual sin on a cruise? He'd say, no, never in my wildest dreams. But he didn't plan not to. And we want to plan not to mess up sexually. Every there's nothing wrong with choice led him closer and closer until there was a point that he couldn't turn back. So evidently, good intentions are not enough to keep you and me from doing bad things. None of us intends to do bad things, but our good intentions, let's just be honest, are really worthless to keep us from doing sinful, hurtful things to other people in our lives. Good intentions are not the good roadmap. So let's get a better roadmap to try to figure this out. Asking the best question ever. And by the way, if you weren't here, the best question ever is, what is the wise thing to do? Considering my past, where I've come from, considering my present circumstances, considering my future hopes and dreams, what I want to tell my future spouse or what I want to tell my children, what I want to tell my grandchildren, what is the wise thing for me to do? The best question ever helps us plan not to fail. So let's, let's practice this because I'm not sure we're getting it. We've hammered this for three weeks because I'm not sure we're getting it. Let's practice asking what is the wise thing to do. Is it wise to chat online with members of the opposite sex who you are not married to? Singles, you're going, no, there's nothing wrong with it. And I don't have a problem with singles doing that. But if you try to get on a computer here at the church, every stinking instant messaging chat search engine is blocked. Why? 
Because we're not going to give you an avenue to do something unwise. So is it wise if you're married? Is it wise to chat with somebody of the opposite sex who is not your spouse? Hello? No. Is there any doubt about that? You can stay afterwards if you if there's a doubt and we'll talk further. Is it wise to go to dinner after work with members of the opposite sex who is not your spouse or you're not related to? Oh, that wasn't that wasn't nearly emphatic enough. Is it wise? In fact, I'll tell you this. I had some relatives. We were on a trip one time. We were on a cruise, in fact. It's kind of where this whole scenario came up in my mind. And and we, there were, I'm not even going to say which members of my family, there's a whole mess of us on this trip. And and we met these two young, single, nice-looking, funny ladies. And one day, I didn't think anything of it, because I don't do jack without my wife or somebody else. I, I just don't do that. And so I didn't think anything of it, but I went with these family members. It was all males, and I thought we were safe. We went to the little pizza parlor, and when we got there, we were sitting at this table, and these two ladies came up and sat down almost as if they had been invited. And this whole alarm system goes off in me, and I'm like, get up and go. And I did. I'm like, I'm out of here. See you later. And I went back, and Janie was actually in, in the room, and I said, i got to tell you what just happened, and I want you to know I ran. She gives me a big hug. Thank you. And, uh, and I talked to the, the relatives later, and I said, what kind of stupid is that? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Is it wise? Your spouse is... Oh, anyway, that's, that's kind of where that came from. Let's, let's go on. Work with a trainer of the opposite sex. Hello? Is it wise? No, okay. Counsel with members of the opposite sex. I have a policy, and if you, you are female, I will not meet with you without my spouse present. I won't even talk to you on the phone without a member of my family present so that I can say there is absolutely nothing going on here. I will not ride in a car with anybody that I'm not related to that's of the opposite sex unless there is someone else in the car with us. Not because, again, I do not think there's anything sexy about me. I just, I want to make these things so obviously clear. And my wife has told me that that actually fuels the passion that she has for me. She likes it that I have these long, wide boundaries that I'm not ever going to cross. And, and when you have these boundaries that are so far, if you accidentally step across one and you have your, con- because your conscience sets up camp wherever you put your boundaries. And so if, if someone calls me and I answer it, I don't know who it is and it's a female and I'm by myself and, and I go, oh, I shouldn't be talking to them. Okay, I need to go. And I, I'll call Janie and I'll say, someone just called, this was happening. Because if she ever picks up my cell phone records and she sees that, she put, I want her to know, well, I told you about that. Your conscience will set up camp wherever you put the boundaries. And so I want them so far away that if I step across one of those, there is not a hint of sexual impropriety. In my life. And my wife has thanked me for that. Ladies night out dancing while the husbands stay at home. Is that wise? Is it wise to have sex with someone to whom you are not married? Is it wise to live with someone to whom you are not married? 
And by the way, I got to this point in the sermon as I was reading back through, and I figured I ticked a lot of people off last week with the time thing, and I'm ticking people off this week with sex, and then if you come back in a couple weeks, I'm going to tick you off about money. My goal is to make everybody here mad. So if you're mad right now, just join the club. That's my goal, is to make everybody mad in this in a one-month span. If you're married, is it wise to hang out with people who hate their marriages? Is it wise to hang out with people who hate their kids? Is it wise to hang out with people who hate their church? I don't understand why you keep going to a church. If you hate it, move on. If, if you really can't say anything nice about this church, you don't need to be here. Every time you go somewhere, you have two buckets that you carry with you. One of them is a bucket of water. One of them is a bucket of fuel. And you hear somebody say something about the pastor or about the church or about the, the worship leader or whatever. You have some, you hear that? You have a choice to make. Am I going to throw water on that? Am I going to say, that's my friend. That's my brother. That's someone I care about. That's throwing water on it. And if you say something nice about something that someone that somebody's saying bad things about, it will put out the fire. But too often what happens is we take that bucket of gasoline and we throw it on the fire. I don't know if you've ever done that. That's not wise. Now, I, didn't, I haven't done that, but I did get mad at a brush pile one time and I poured gasoline on there and I waited because I knew. And I couldn't get it lit. And Janie was up on the hill and Caleb was a little bitty at the time. And so <laughs> I lit that match and I kept throwing them in there and they would go out before they hit. And this had been a long time, but the brush pile was big. And when I finally got it lit, it was, I was... Right here, and I saw the match go down, and I saw the flames come up, and it goes, boom, and I went flying backwards, and Janie's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. I, I knew that was going to happen. Actually, it didn't get him. I was, I was, right as I let go of it, I thought, this is like the second dumbest thing I've ever done, and I was already moving back, and I... I never said I was wise. I just told you that I'd try to help you be wise. Don't ask, is it legal, is it moral, or is it acceptable? Ask, is it wise? I want to show you some verses from Scripture that kind of nail our attitudes towards sexuality. Here it is. Regarding sexual immorality... You got that, bud? Regarding sexual immorality... Is that not on there? There it is, okay. Pursue all manner of sensuality and impurity, but remain faithful to God and your spouse. Husbands, gaze upon women in a lustful fashion until your heart is full, but do not touch that which is forbidden. Wives, dress in a manner that provokes lustful passions of the men around you, but in your actions remain faithful to your husbands. You're going, I haven't seen that before. It's because it's not there. This is not in Scripture. Okay? Y'all are going, what translation is he using? Now, let's look at what the Bible does say. 1 Corinthians 6.18 What's the first word there? Flee from sexual immorality. Have you ever fled? Do you know what it means to flee? We, where I grew up in Borger, just south of Stinnett, um, 
We had alleys. I never knew people didn't have alleys. And we had dumpsters in the back. You didn't set your trash out front. You had alleys and you would go put it in the dumpster and the big trash truck would come by and it had the, the little thing on the side. You know, out here, our dumpster, he comes up to it at the front and he lifts the thing. Up. That's really cool. Well, these were on the side because in an alley, you don't have room to do it, to, to pull in. So he would pull up to it, you know, okay. So we had this alley behind my house and you go down to the alley and there was this little hill like this and then the highway... The highway that you would go to Stinnett, Texas, comes right down here by the end of my block. And we used to fill up water balloons and we would go down there and we, we, we learned through trial and error that if people were coming this way, they could see you when you stood up to throw the water balloons. So we figured out it was people going towards Stinnett, ironically, that if you, if you found them and if you, if you figured out their speed and you lofted the, uh, water balloon at just right and, 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 and it made this really kind of Boom sound when it hit their windshield or the car and you would see swerving and you would hear all kinds of interesting words come out the windows and, and, and screeching and we would flee because they would whip around and come down the alley and there's rocks and dust flying and we're riding and running. We knew what it meant to flee and I think you know what it means to flee. That's what the verse means. Flee from sexual sin. Flee from sexual immorality. That means if I find myself in a situation, I don't care what you think. If I find myself in a situation that my wife would say, red flags, I need to run away. Don't think you can handle it. We flirt with sexual sin all the time. I can handle it. You're a freaking idiot. If you think you can handle sexual sin. I don't know anybody, me included, in this room that can warm up next to sexual sin repeatedly and turn it down. That's just a lie straight from hell that you can handle it. Everybody who commits sexual sin thought they could handle it. Now I want you to see what else Paul says. He says, not only is it, see, oh, people say it's not, it's not in the Bible. Get, show me one verse. Show me one verse that says you shouldn't stand in a field with a, with a herd of Brahma bulls charging at you. There's not one verse that says thou shalt not stand in a field with Brahma bulls coming down. But it's stupid. And it is just as stupid to think you can handle sexual sin. Let's look at what else Paul says. He says, not only is it stupid, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. He puts sexual sin into a category all by itself. Every other sin you commit is outside your body, but sexual sin you commit against your own body because when you have sex with somebody, you unite with them not just physically, but you unite spirit and soul and you give a part of your life to them. Sex is a God-given desire. And, and years ago, there was a lady that, that I talked to and, and I told her we were giving away food for free because we love Jesus. We want other people to love Jesus. And she goes, I know that's right, baby. And so when we say something good, y'all kind of have lost this. Usually when, you know, Jeff says amen, but half of you don't know what that means. That's just his traditional background and that's okay. I know what he means. But, but if somebody says something from the pulpit that you go, yes, I want you to say, I know that's right, baby. Sex is a gift from God. God, I had to work way too hard for that. <laughs> Sex within marriage is like putting money in a bank account. And it can provide dividends 
for your life. But sex outside of marriage is like robbing money from that bank. You are taking something that does not belong to you and you will pay a penalty. It's going to happen. That's because when man and woman join their bodies in sexual union, it is more than just physical. There is no such thing as casual sex. You may believe it, but if you believe in casual sex, your heart is so hard, you're not going to hear a thing I'm saying today anyway. There's no such thing as casual sex because you give your body and your heart and your soul to someone. Sex outside of marriage brings serious and sometimes lifelong consequences. You go talk to any marriage counselor. If I could, I would let you hear some of the things, but I can't because of confidentiality. I would let you hear some of the devastation that people say to me about sex outside of marriage. And even though some people have confessed that and they've accepted the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ, sometimes they cannot forgive themselves and they drag all of that into their marriage. So what is the wise thing to do? Run away. Run fast. Don't rationalize, don't flirt, don't be strong, run away. In light of your past experiences, current circumstances, future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for you to do sexually? If your past is messed up sexually, you can't do what you've always done and get where you want to go. Can't do it. Is it popular? Who cares? Doing the popular thing is what got you into the mess you're in right now. Why not adopt a higher standard? Why not do something differently? Why not ask, what is the wise thing to do? And some of you are going, Doug, lighten up. Come on. Everybody I've ever talked to who has pain sexually says, I would give anything if I could go back. I would give anything if I could go back to that night, that hug, that embrace, that phone call that I knew I shouldn't have accepted. I would give anything. Doesn't that sound radical? I would give anything. Why not set a standard that protects you from those harmful things in the future? You can't go back. You can't do it. But we can be wise in the future. Why not set a standard that protects your future family? When sex is enjoyed the way God designed it, the result is intimacy. But usually sex outside of marriage doesn't lead to intimacy. I've talked to women who have had casual sex. And, it, and intimacy is not the word they have to describe it on the morning after. It's usually emptiness. It's because you're doing things outside of God's way. Adam and Eve, when they were naked and they were not ashamed, when you are in a loving marriage relationship and you enjoy sex the way God intended, it brings warmth and intimacy to your life. Now, one last thing. Don't ask me to pray for you if you're living in sin. Do not come to me and say, Doug, would you pray for my relationship? Because what I'm going to pray is that God will discipline you so severely that you can't miss the fact that you're living in sin. If you want to confess from that sin and, and turn from it and you want to live before God, I will commit to pray for you till the day I die that God will provide for you the spouse 
and the future and the family that He desires. If you want to live in obedience, I'll pray for you. But don't ask me to pray for someone living in sin. That's just that's a waste of my time. God does not bless disobedience. So I would be wasting my time praying for Him to bless you. But God is a God of second and third and a thousandth chances. And there are people in this room that would tell you that they had horrible past, but God has forgiven them and restored their lives because they've chosen to be obedient and turn away from their past. 